Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Exciting and beet breeding don't usually go in the same sentence. But one recent UW grad has managed to share his excitement over the work he has done through his master's program in a way that has people eager to learn more about plant genetics. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess. Adam D'Angelo just finished up his master's on the UW-Madison campus. The New Jersey native did his undergrad at Rutgers researching hazelnuts before he found his way to the Midwest. His master's focus researching table beets and improving their flavor and eating quality. He then went on to use social media to share more about what he does. So Adam, tell me about your time here on campus. Sure. So I worked in Irwin Goldman's lab, and that's the table beet, onion, and carrot breeding program at UW. And my project was focused on breeding table beets for flavor and eating quality. And I did that by focusing on a few important compounds that really impact whether people like beets or not. Uh, and if you've had beets before, you probably realize they, they have that earthy flavor, and that's caused by a compound that's the same compound that causes the smell after a rainstorm. Uh, it's called geosmin, and that was one of the main things I focused on. I also focused on compounds that had to do with the uh, burning sensation you get when eating raw beets and also the sweetness that people perceive. I never knew some people had a burning sensation from eating beets. Yeah, so it's only when you eat them raw, which is why a lot of people cook them, uh, but Eating a raw vegetable, you get a lot more of the nutritional impact from that. So we're trying to develop new varieties of beets where you can just pull them out of the field, cut them, and eat them raw. Picture having beet sticks in your Happy Meal instead of carrot sticks. And we've been able to do that. We have low oxalic acid, that's the molecule I'm talking about, low oxalic acid beets that are low geosmin and high sucrose. So they're nice and sweet, they're crisp, they're colorful, and they're delicious. Uh, And we're really excited about that product. In the world of beets, UW-Madison has a lot to be proud about. Absolutely. We are the only public table beet breeding program, and by far the oldest. And we've been working for for many years. It started with Warren Buck Gobelman, who started in the 50s or 60s, and it's been continued with Irwin Goldman for the past 20 or 30 years. Uh, We've made great progress, and it's been really exciting to see the shift kind of start to hit the more consumer-centric side of things, which I think is important. You know, I love beets, but I... I don't cook with them as often because they're such a mess. <laughs> and I don't like getting everything stained with beets, but some of the new beets are not purple. Yeah, I think you might like some of our new new yellow or orange beets. And there's also some cool white beet varieties that have been coming out. So they don't have the stain, but they got the same great flavor, great culinary characteristics. I think people really like them. They, they look really nice. Badger Flame is one of the varieties that has come out of that lab, and it's a really interesting beat, if that's a, a thing. Tell me more. So Badger Flame is the one we've been promoting the most, and it's been released. You'll see it in Whole Foods this year. Uh, it's really been getting a lot of press. We had a billboard in Boston. Uh, so that, that's been exciting to see a beat in Boston. And uh, some of our other varieties that are just getting released, we just had five new ones released from a participatory plant breeding program which is where uh, we solicited input from farmers, chefs, and consumers uh, into making our selections for beets. And that was to work with Dr. Solvay Hansen. So those are getting released and will be working their way into seed catalogs pretty soon. I want to talk a little bit about some of the outreach work that you've done as well, in particular social media. You use TikTok and YouTube to kind of share the story of your research and what you're doing there on campus. 
Yeah, and that's that's sort of been the development. Uh, I started off on YouTube, and then I sort of had to realize what people were watching, and people like short-form content, so that's what I started making. So you can find me on uh, The Seed Scholar, that's on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, uh, and I make short-form videos about plant breeding and plant genetics and other cool things in plant science. Uh, and over the past couple of years, I've had over 2 million people watch my videos about plant breeding and plant genetics, which is, uh, I think is unprecedented. Um, and at the very least, it's been a really cool experience and has led to a lot of new opportunities for me. It can definitely be kind of wild when what you put out on social media takes off. Yeah, and it's been nice to see the sort of community out there. And it's very encouraging to see how many people are interested in this sort of work and how we can you know, give farmers tools, provide consumers higher quality produce. I think the message really resonates with a lot of people because uh, I think people in general feel like some of their food in the supermarket has does not have the same flavor value or eating quality or nutritional value that maybe their grandparents had. I think to some extent that's true, but I think the uh, the tides are turning in that form of things. Absolutely. I run across that quite a bit that people seem to think that anything commercially produced is not as nutritious and it has to be heirloom garden produce to have that nutritional qualities that they're seeking. But that also plays into, you know, ultimately eating a vegetable is always going to be better than eating a candy bar. We can make vegetables taste better, then you're going to increase consumption and that might be the best way just to improve the diets of Americans because we're eating a lot fewer fruits and vegetables than previous generations did. I don't think most people would say, you know what, I'm going to go on social media and watch videos about beets. But you've done that and people are watching. What are you hearing back from them? I have a lot of engagement and I feel like what's really nice is I'm starting to build a community. The same people are commenting, they're having conversations, you know, and those conversations lead to new videos. So the content is starting to make itself now because I can I can respond to questions that people have and interests that they have. I think that's that's a really powerful thing because uh, the content is being tailored directly to what people want. I was about a minute late calling you for our interview because I was on YouTube watching a video you made about flies and carrot breeding, and it was edited really well, very engaging. Do you do it all yourself, or do you work with someone to help you out with kind of the production of the videos you're making? I do it all myself. Uh, it was a big learning curve to to get there. And it's a lot of work, but I think I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> you think you enjoy it? That's, <laughs> that is social media summed up in a nutshell. <laughs> I, I started making these videos really because my parents didn't know what I did. So I wanted to show them something where I could be like, this is what I'm working on. This is how I'm doing it. And I needed to find a way to explain it to them who don't have as much knowledge as myself or my coworkers do. And that turned out to be a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. That's a great reason to start. I know that hearing back from people that are learning from you can be one of the reasons that people keep doing social media outreach. So tell me about some of those messages you've received. I think people have a a general misconception that the food we eat today is the same as it's always been, that, you know, beets just came out of nature, when really all of our modern food crops have a long history of selection and uh, agriculture and plant breeding behind them before we've gotten the quality we currently have. So People initially seem to be uh, wary of the fact that we're breeding beets to taste better, but when I show them a picture of beta meridima, the wild sea beet, they can see just how different this is from nature and how really this is a human-cultivated organism. This is something that we've designed. It's a good, it's a product, uh, and yes, it grows in the dirt, and it's, it's healthy for you, and it's great, and it's natural, but uh, it didn't just come out of nature. It's definitely hard to communicate the science of plant breeding when people are distrustful of what we're doing. But in the end, you're working to improve the options we have in the grocery store, and that's a good thing. 
I mean, we're currently living in a time where we have the most unfettered access to high-quality food in the history of humanity. Uh, very few people are starving compared to previous generations. Uh, so it's a really exciting time. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to realize just how lucky we are to have a stable food system like we have. That was Adam D'Angelo, a fresh master's graduate from UW-Madison. If you're interested in seeing what he's doing online, search The Seed Scholar on YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram. I know I found his videos really interesting. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess.